Hello and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. My name is Lee Younger. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ Community. And this is a message that I gave on Sunday morning, August 8th, 2021, from the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 13. All right, we are talking about the real Jesus. And I think um, in the times that we're in, there may be nothing more critical or important than for us to understand who the real Jesus is, right? Um, We need to know who he is, not with any kind of cultural additions or subtractions. I need to know who is Jesus really? What does he really care about? Um, How does he really see me? And as we look at the real Jesus today, I have to go ahead and tell you that this is going to be kind of like a, a warning sign for the road ahead. It's a little bit of like, like when you're driving down the road and then you see that sign that says, hey, we're going down to one lane of traffic here in a little while, so you might want to motor down a little bit, might want to get off that Twitter feed or whatever, you're, like pay attention. Um, this is a little bit of a kind of a warning sign of, of the road ahead. Um, and that is that the real Jesus at times will offend you. And he, it got real quiet. <laughs> People are like, I don't want to hear that. I don't blame you. I don't really want to hear it either. Um, I, honestly, it's like, if I could not talk about this, I, I would not talk about it because I don't really want to in some ways. But in other ways, I really, really do because this is important. It's an important thing to know that the real Jesus is going to offend us at times, especially, especially if we approach him with a certain posture. It's going to be critically important for us to understand what is the posture with which I need to approach Jesus, his words, his teachings, his heart, um, because he may offend me. He may offend you. I want to show you guys something that happened in, in Matthew chapter 13. Um, before we look at it, Matthew, by the time you get to Matthew chapter 13, Jesus was already at the height of the popularity of his ministry. He had already done a lot of the things that he is famous for having done. He had already said a lot of the things that he was really famous for saying. He had already given the Sermon on the Mount. He had already given that, at the, we're at the end of Matthew chapter 13 today, which means he had already done all of those parables through uh, the Matthew chapter 13, where he's teaching about the kingdom of God, basically telling little stories with kind of a, a, a layer underneath there that if you want to know more about God, about the kingdom of God, you're going to pick something up in there. He had given that whole teaching. He had already Uh, He had already healed diseases like leprosy. He had already kicked demons out of people. He had already raised a little girl from the dead. And all up and down the country, he's the only thing anybody's talking about. There is a guy going around raising people from the dead, curing leprosy, saying things with authority like we've never heard before. And at the end of all that, Matthew tells us he went home to his hometown. This is the end of Matthew chapter 13, verse 53, starting there. When Jesus had finished these parables, this is that whole chapter of stories about the kingdom of God, stories about farmers and fishermen, stories about treasure hunters and and the managers of a household. When he had finished all these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters here with us? So where did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. 
But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except, apparently, in his hometown and in his own home. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Um, we need to understand a couple of things about this. One, so Jesus is famous for all this stuff. Everybody's talking about him all over the place. Could this be the Messiah? And then he comes home and he starts, he goes to his home synagogue, like the place that he went to synagogue when he was a little boy. And he would go in there and they all knew him and he knew all of them. And he starts teaching this same stuff. And they're like, wait a minute. Is this, this is the guy that everybody's talking about? Wait, where, where did he get these miraculous powers? Uh, we watched him grow up. This is the carpenter's kid. I mean, look, I saw Jesus get his, uh, you know, skin his knee on the soccer field. Like, I, look, I've seen that uh, macaroni art that Jesus made for Mary hanging. It's still hanging on her fridge. I've, we watched this kid grow up. Okay, so I don't know what he thinks he's doing with this. It's interesting because when Matthew says that he's teaching and they were amazed. When you read that, you're like, so does that mean that they were just like, wow, this is so amazing. Like when you're watching the Olympics sometimes, like uh, me and the kids were watching that, uh, the Olympic skateboarding and I was amazed. Like, cause even like in real time, you see something, they do a trick and you're like, that was pretty cool. And then they slow it down in slow motion. And you're like, she did seven more things in the middle of that, that you couldn't even like catch with, I'm like, that is amazing. She just bent the laws of physics and somehow landed that thing over 14 steps, you know, reverse what it was amazing. But like, so is that what they, is that what they were feeling? I don't really know. Um, that word that in the original language that we've translated amazed, it's used a bunch in the new Testament and it can be translated a bunch of different ways. Sometimes it's a word that means like shock and panic. It can mean straight up panic, like they were freaked out. It's the same word that's used, by the way, over in Acts chapter 13, there's this really weird little story where Paul and Barnabas were in Cyprus and they were talking to this guy who was a Roman proconsul, this big deal in the you know, Roman government named Sergius Paulus. And they were like, Paul and Barnabas are telling him about Jesus. And Sergius Paulus had this guy who worked for him who was like this messed up pagan false prophet named Eliamus. And so the whole time Paul and Barnabas are talking to Sergius Paulus, this dude's like whispering in his ear, like, don't listen to them. Listen to me. I've got all kinds of really freaky pagan stuff you should be listening to. And he's like distracting this guy from hearing the gospel. And Paul looks at this dude and says, hey, you are a son of the devil and an enemy of all that is right. And you're like, that's what I'm talking about. Like just to have, just to throw down some wisdom like that. I'm like, dang, I'd love to be in that meeting. It's like, dang, I don't know how you knew that, but that's awesome. So he says, you're a son of the devil, an enemy of all that is right, and you need to shut that trap. And then, by the way, you're going to be blind for a while. And bam, this dude was like, whoa, and he was blind. And he's like going around, can't see anything. And it says Sergius Paulus was amazed. And I don't think it was like the skateboarding kind of amazed. I think he was like, whoa, what, what is this? Like, what am I in right now? This, there, something strange is happening. This is a big deal. This dude was freaked out. Jesus shows up in his hometown synagogue with people that watched him grow up. And he's saying all kinds of things about the kingdom of God. And not just about the kingdom of God, but about how all that relates to himself. And they're like, whoa, time out. Um, it says they were, they were shocked. And they said, this is a carpenter's kid. Who does he think he is? And it says they were offended. It's the, the Greek word there is the word scandalon. It's where we get the word scandal. They were scandalized. 
It, it literally means like to put something in somebody's path so that they would trip over it. Like they were tripping, like over Jesus. <laughs> they were shocked, appalled, tripping. And then and their, and their whole thing is, no, no, no. Like, who do you think you are, dude? We know, we know you. Okay, so, you know, I think we know what, what you care about and what the kingdom of God is all about. And I think there's a subtle temptation, not just for the people of Nazareth, but for anybody that knows Jesus. There is a subtle temptation for us to feel like, I know what Jesus is about. I know what Jesus is, what he's, what he's pumped about, what he's upset about, what he's up to. I, I, I get that. I'm familiar with Jesus. I think for the folks in Nazareth, probably their number one problem was they just weren't curious about Jesus. They just thought, I've got him figured out. And I think there's a danger in that for us. That I've been in this long enough. I'm an old pro. I'm a veteran. I know what Jesus is up for. I know what he's upset about. I know what he's up to. And by the way, if, uh, if you don't think you are, um, the thing about that is you live in a very shouty world who is constant. This world is constantly telling all of us who's good, who's bad, who's awesome, who's evil, right? And by the way, they all stamp Jesus on it, don't they? I mean, everybody has their whole thing of like, this is what's right, this is what's wrong, this is who's good, this is who's bad. And if you flip to the last page, you'll see that Jesus signed it right there. I mean, he, he, that's his name right there. This, we're saying all of this to you in Jesus' name. It's kind of like this shouty world has like a do-it-yourself Messiah, like a DIY Messiah. It's like there, there used to be a, I don't know if they still have it, but there used to be a store in the mall called Build-A-Bear where little kids could go in and like they choose all the parts to the teddy bear that they want. And then they, then they sew this thing together. For, I don't really know how it works. I didn't go in the Build-A-Bear. But it's like people have a Build-A-Bear Jesus. Like they're just like, let, let me just, whatever I care about, I'm just going to slap Jesus on that. Whatever I think is right, we're going to say that's Christian values. Whatever I think, whichever way I think is up, whichever way I think is down, then I'm going to get Jesus to just co-sign on that whole thing. It's the DIY Messiah. People have been doing it forever, and they're doing it in a really shouty way right now. Amen? I mean, it's, it's kind of like the way that people always like make movies about Jesus. They just like TV shows about, that's not Jesus. That's just whatever they think Jesus is. Whatever we value the most, that's what we're going to make Jesus look like. That's what we're going to make Jesus say. That's what we're going to make him like. And, and if we're not curious enough about who the real Jesus is, then we're going to get right caught up in this mess too, offended and shocked by the real Jesus whenever we actually run into him. I remember when I was in college and there was this kind of fad in Christian culture of like this muscular, masculine Christianity. And there were books and conferences and the whole thing. And like real men that love Jesus, they love camping, you know? And it was like, I guess, you know, they, they have big muscles and they grow out long beards and they, you know, they probably have lots of tattoos and things. And I'm like, I guess, I don't know the source material for any of this. And I remember one of the things that they said was, you know, real guys that love Jesus, they're more like Braveheart than they are uh, Mr. Rogers. I'm like, you know, that didn't pan out well as far as like the guy who made that Braveheart movie. And as far as I know, Mr. Rogers made it to the end. He was pretty awesome and sweet. 
And I'm like, and, and they just get Jesus to co-sign on that whole thing, the muscular, masculine Jesus. And somebody's forging his signature, y'all, because he was the Prince of Peace. He's the one that the only time he described himself, remember what he said? He said, I'm gentle and humble in heart. He said, if somebody slaps you on the cheek, turn the other one. Let him take another swing. He said, if somebody wants your shirt, you should give them your coat as well. If somebody wants to go with you one mile, you should go with them too. It just doesn't have anything to do with what they told a whole generation of us. This is the guy you're supposed to be. If we're not careful, if we're not curious about who the real Jesus is, if we don't actually just read it, then we've got a whole shouty world who wants to tell us who the DIY Messiah is. And we've got to be careful. Because then when we actually run into something that he says, we may be offended. We may not know what he actually is up for, what he actually is upset about, what he actually is up to in the kingdom of God. They said he's just the carpenter's kid. He's just the carpenter's kid. There were so many times when, uh, and by the way, that's, that's just a bad posture. It's a bad posture to come at Jesus with, I've got you figured out. I've got your number. I know who you are. Who do you think you are? I know what you're up to. I know what you're up, what you're up for. I know who you are. There were so many times when the disciples realized that Jesus was way more than just the carpenter's kid. Like, remember that time when the disciples are in a boat and they're in the middle of the lake and in the middle of the night and they're in a storm so bad that guys that worked every day of their life on, in that boat on this body of water thought, I am going to die. This is it. This is, the, I'm not going to see the morning. They thought they were going to die. Jesus stands up in the boat and says, to weather, by the way, hush. And they said, and this is great posture to come at Jesus with. Who is this? That's a great posture to come at Jesus with. That's the carpenter's kid. Bad posture. I know what Jesus is about. Bad posture. Who is this? That's a great posture to have with Jesus. There was a time when they found out he was way more than the carpenter's kid. He took three of them up to the summit of Mount Hermon over in Lebanon. And in the middle of the night, Jesus just starts glowing in the dark. Like all of the glory of the eternal son of God just boom, just burst out of him from within him. They described him like he was lightning standing still, which you're like, that is terrifying and amazing. And they're like, that is not just the carpenter's kid. And a voice from heaven came down and said, and by the way, this is a great posture. Listen to him. It's a great posture, right? Who is this? Listen to him. There was a time even, gosh, I think about even in Jesus' death, when somehow the eternal son of God let himself die. The author of life somehow let himself die. And even in that moment, they were like, this is not a normal death. This is not a normal dude. Y'all remember what happened? When Jesus let himself die, the earth went crazy. Earthquakes, rocks splitting open, graveyards are opening up. Dead people came up out of their graves, started walking around Jerusalem talking about how y'all been doing. And you're like, nobody dies like that. That's crazy. And a Roman centurion at the base of the cross knelt down, great posture, and also with a great posture said, surely this is the son of God. It's not the carpenter's, he's not just the carpenter's kid. This is the son of God. Who is he? Listen to him. This is the son of God. I might not have it figured out and I need to not be defensive about that. 
You might not know what Jesus is up for, what he's upset about, or what he's up to in the kingdom of God. And we need to not be defensive about that. We need to be open to reading the book and letting it speak. By the way, have you ever just read recently and been like, whoa, I forgot that was in there? Or like, dang, that's shocking. Like if you haven't read it for a while, real quick question, and just answer in your own heads. If you were going to try to guess when Jesus is resurrected from the dead, who is the first preacher that he sends out with the news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Was it Peter? John? Somebody amazing? It was a woman. Huh. Go tell my brothers that I have risen. And you're like, whoa, didn't see that coming. I didn't, I forgot Jesus felt that way about women. Well, time to be undefensive about that. He's not just the carpenter's kid. We may need to stay curious, y'all. Real quick, if you haven't read it in a while, uh, the person in the New Testament that blew Jesus' mind the most, the person that like, it was like he was watching a skateboarding trick in slow motion and he was like, whoa, that was awesome. Was it Peter? Was it John? Was it somebody amazing and important? It was a foreigner, a Roman guy. He said, I have not seen faith like this anywhere in Israel. By the way, he's not one of us. He's awesome. You're like, dang, I might need to rethink some things about what I think Jesus thinks about that whole situation. Here's another one. If you haven't thought about it in a while, the first person that Jesus straight up said to somebody's face, I am the Messiah, the one everybody's been waiting on. I'm him. And you're like, was it Peter? Was it John? I'm like picking on those two guys. Was somebody super important, influential? It was a woman. It was a super sinful woman. It was a foreign woman. You're like, dang, Jesus cares about some stuff that I just forgot that was it. We got to stay curious, y'all. He might surprise us. And if we think we haven't figured out, he might offend us. We're going to have to stay curious about Jesus. I was thinking about that time that, that uh, John and, James and John came to, to Jesus and they were like, hey, we found some people who were talking about you and they're like, not us. So we were thinking nuclear airstrike, right? And Jesus was like, no, no, no. Don't just think you have me figured out. You need to ask. No, anybody that's not against me is for us. Think about that time that Jesus is following that dude Jairus to his house because Jairus' daughter was sick. And, and, and Jairus was the most influential, the most important, the wealthiest guy in the whole town. And the disciples, are they're just like strutting because they're like, this is it. This is our moment. Jesus is going to help somebody super well-connected, super important. And then we are going to rocket into stardom. This is a great moment. And all of a sudden, Jesus stopped. And they're like, no, 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 no. Don't stop. Don't stop. We got to help this super important guy. And Jesus stopped for somebody that nobody knew and nobody cared about who's laying in the middle of the, of the road. And they're like, don't stop for a nobody. We got a somebody. And if we're not careful, we'll think that Jesus is like that. And there's plenty of people that want to tell you that is what he's like. And that person that people thought was a nobody, Jesus called her daughter. She's not a nobody. She's my daughter. Or that time when... People were bringing their kids to Jesus, and, uh, and they're like, yeah, we want our little kids to go see Jesus. And the disciples are like, hold up. Jesus is far too important for children. Jesus has too many important things to do. He's solving the problems of the world. He's saving the world. He does not have time for your kids. You must be this tall to enter the ride. <laughs> and Jesus says, y'all, oh, God. I mean, it's just that, 
Jesus was like, no, no, no. Let the children come. He said, the kingdom of heaven is made up of children. In fact, if you even want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to turn and become like children. And I think that would be a great posture. Don't ask your TV what Jesus cares about. Don't ask your Twitter feed or your Facebook feed what Jesus cares about. Don't ask some pundit to tell you what Jesus cares about, what he's upset about, or what he's up to in the world. Be like a little kid. You know what I love about little kids? They ask a thousand questions. Just questions all the time. Hey, what are we having for dinner tonight? Uh, where are we going? When are we going to get there? Are we there yet? Like all kinds of stuff like that. Why is this toe longer than this toe when this toe's behind this toe? Just all the time asking a million questions. Because one, they don't know anything. They don't know anything until they're teenagers. Then they know all of it. <laughs> and they stop asking as many questions. And Jesus is like, no, you got to turn and become like little kids. Like they, they don't know anything. They're not in control of anything. And you know what I love about the curiosity of kids is even if they've heard their favorite story a thousand times, they want to hear it again. What if we were like little kids? Just like, I don't have Jesus figured out. I don't know uh, what he's up to, what he's upset about, what he's up for. I'm going to have to apparently read the book, and I'm going to go there like a little kid. I'm not in control of anything. I don't know anything, and I love hearing the same old story over and over and over and over and over again. Tell me again who you are, what you're up to, what you want me to do about it. I'm not going to ask anybody else. I'm just going to ask you over and over again. A couple of years ago, uh, Thomas showed me this song. It's become one of my favorite songs by a gal named Taylor Leonhardt and uh, lives in Nashville. She says, today, if you hear him, skipping rocks on the river, laughing in the garden like when you were young. Today, if you hear him, walking through the pine woods, racing down that big hill, calling you to come. Don't be too grown. Oh, for your own sake, let the children come. Let us become like children today. Today, if you hear him, let your feet take off running. Don't worry who's watching. Let him kiss you on the face. Don't be too grown. Oh, for your own sake. Let the children come and let us become like children today. Let's be always curious about who Jesus is, what he cares about, what he's up to. And like little kids, asking a million questions and ready to jump in with him. Amen? When I need you